oh, 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 poker face, pup, pup, poker face. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Bravo Tea with Jared B. I am your host, Jared B. I hope everyone's doing very, very well out there. I am. I am. I had to make some adult decisions today, and I'm in my feelings, but, like, as a 31-year-old, looking back at the 20-year-old, you know, the Jared that was in his 20s, I'm happy with the decision that I made today. Maybe I'll talk about it, but, uh, yeah, it's been a day. It's been a day, y'all. You guys may be wondering, why is this episode coming out now? I thought new episodes come out every Wednesday and Friday. Let me tell you something. Technical difficulties happen. I had today's episode recorded, ready to be posted, but I listened to the episode last night before I sent it to be, you know, beautified and have music added to it so it could come out as a good product and the audio was terrible my audio was going in and out and I just can't I I can't put out you know choppy audio bad product it's just not worth it I rather re-record it and then put it out later and that's the convenient thing about doing a podcast is that you can do that like you know I'm not on television And, you know, cameras have to roll and, you know, there's a multi-million dollar production behind me. You know, not yet. Not yet. Let's speak it into existence. Wouldn't you love a show, a talk show on Bravo, hosted by me, called Bravo Tea with Jared B? Come on. Come on now. Come on. But, uh... Also, I hope everyone had a great weekend. I had a good weekend. I hung out with some friends on Saturday. Shout out to Jen and Chase for inviting us over for a very fun game night. There was tequila. I made margaritas. There were laughs. A lot of laughs. We played games. It was it was a good time. And then Sunday, I chilled, cooked. I made some... Uh, what was it? Brown butter grouper? Like I made it on the stove and then I cooked some broccolini. I didn't know it was so hard to find broccolini. I've only ever seen broccolini on television. (laughs) I've never seen it. I think I've seen it on a menu of a restaurant, but I've never been able to find it out there until I went to DeKalb Farmer's Market two weeks ago. And then I found some broccolini. And I've been to DeKalb Farmer's Market plenty of times and I've never seen broccolini. So when I spotted it, I bought it. And I enjoyed broccolini. When I cooked it, it didn't have the funky smell of broccoli. But then I warmed it up later to eat. And it had the funky smell of broccoli. So I thought broccolini was going to do me a little better. But it didn't. And I'm sad about it. But I still enjoyed the broccolini. So let's get into some Bravo news. I don't have a lot of news for you. Um, but I first want to start out with, I believe this is season five of the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. This is New York City Legacy, or I guess Real Housewives of New York Legacy Edition of the Ultimate Girls Trip. The ladies have left for St. Bart's, I believe, a day or two ago. Remember, it's Ramona Singer, Luann Deliceps, Kristen Tankman, Dorinda Medley, um, Kelly Ben Simone, and 
the love of my life, Sonia Morgan. Sonia Tremont Morgan. Not the love of my life, but I love me some Sonia Morgan. She can be messy. She can be out of hand on television, but you can tell that Sonia has a good heart. And that is why I love Sonia. And Sonia has always made me laugh. Always. So I'm excited to see these ladies. I don't know if you remember the post by Peacock when this new new season of the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip was announced. If you follow Peacock on Twitter and you remember the announcement, it was uh, a tree that was etched out. There were two apples falling from the tree. And then at the bottom of the of the tweet, there were apples with the names of the cast on it. But those two other apples that were falling from the tree that did not have names. I'm mentioning that because I believe that there are two more housewives on the Ultimate Girls Trip. All the Ultimate Girls Trips, there have been eight housewives. Why would they choose to just have six? So it is in my belief that there are two surprises we are going to get I believe that Bethany Frankel is on this trip. Now, Bravo may not be able to afford Bethany Frankel for a full season, but because she has said many times that she would come back to the show if she was offered a number that would be financially irresponsible for her to decline. She says there is a number, but she does not believe that Bravo can afford that number. Now, I believe that Bravo could afford Bethany for a week, for a trip. So I believe that Bethany Frankel is on the trip. You've seen some ladies post pictures with each other with just the six of them. They're keeping things tight. I believe there's, I I believe Bethany Frankel is there. If there is another housewife, I would love for it to be Jill Zarin. I know Jill Zarin ruined things for the Real Housewives of New York legacy spinoff. Jill Zarin is blamed for putting uh, production on hold. (laughs) They never even made it to production. They were in negotiation phase with their contracts. And Jill Zarin felt like they should all be paid the same amount. And I don't see anything wrong with that. But people believe that Jill Zarin should have just taken what she was offered. But, you know, if you are going to have these be the legacy New York housewives, pay these ladies what they are worth. So they scrapped the legacy spinoff and now they're getting their own season of Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. And maybe if it goes well, it could turn into another chance for a legacy spinoff so who knows but i do believe bethany frankel is on that trip i would love if the other housewife is joe zarin maybe aviva drescher i don't think heather thompson would come back i do i know carol radswell will not come back they would not ask back ebony even though i would love to see ebony show up and surprise these ladies especially ramona <laughs> I would love that, but they're not going to invite back Ebony. I don't think they would invite back Leah because she was on season four of the Thailand girls trip. Um, I don't think, well, not season four. Uh, Leah was on season three, Thailand. Uh, Alex McCord is on season four where they're in Morocco. That comes out later this year. So no Alex, no Leah, no Ebony. They would not invite back Jules, I don't think. Not Cindy Barshop. 
Yeah, and no Heather, no Carol. So that leaves Bethany and Jill. Those are my only two guesses. But moving right along, the next thing I'm going to talk about is Tom Schwartz. You know, there was an article that came out from, I believe, Entertainment Tonight online about how Tom Schwartz is done with Tom Sandoval. Also, um, there's this clip that's been circulating online of Tom Schwartz in a confessional. So there's this reality show on Fox, I believe, called Stars on Mars, where I guess reality stars from different shows are um, training to go to Mars, but they don't actually go to Mars. Um, That concept did not interest me enough to check it out, but if you guys want to check it out, let me, you know, check it out and let me know. Slide in my DMs and let me know if it's worth watching. But the only two people I know that are on this cast are Portia Williams from The Real Housewives of Atlanta and Tom Schwartz from Vanderpump Rules. So there's a clip that's circulating online of Tom Schwartz basically talking about Scandaval and saying that how he's just basically done with the whole thing in a very evasive language. Um, so I'm going to play that clip right now. This, this um, thing with my friend back home, it's just, <laughs> it's incredibly messed up. And, you know, it seems each time I try to weigh in or talk about it, ramble on about it, drivel on, I inevitably sound like I'm somehow like justifying it or making excuses for it. And I'm not because, you know, there's just no excuse for it. Any sort of version of like his side of the story has become obsolete because of the way he handled it. And ultimately, you know, that's his life. That is his life. I did not have an affair. I am not him. And it's just so strange that I've been absolutely mired in this. And it just, you know, it's taken on almost a life of its own. And, um, you know, after this, uh, I'm stepping away from it permanently. And... Listen, I don't think Tom Schwartz is done with Tom Sandoval. I think it would be smart for maybe Tom Schwartz to have some distance with Tom Sandoval. The reason being is that they own two businesses together, Tom Tom and Schwartz and Sandys. And just based on how Sandoval was received, especially after these reunions, especially after the bombshell, in air quotes, was dropped on part three, Listen, you saw when Tom Sandoval said that thing about, oh, it was so sexy because Raquel was wearing Ariana's T-shirt um, and Tom Schwartz just bends down and puts his hand, his head in his palms. And like, that's when you knew, oh, Schwartz feels like we're screwed. So like, I don't think Tom Schwartz is done with Sandoval, but I think it would be smart for Tom Schwartz to maybe take a little break. But, like, Lord, if Tom Schwartz is done with Sandoval, what's going to happen next season? What's going to happen next season? Or is he doing this to, like, have fans be like, "Uh uh-oh, Sandoval versus Schwartz next season? You know, I... 
you can't trust these reality stars. You can't trust. Sometimes you can't trust what's authentic and what's fake from them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Listen, we'll see. We shall see what happens with that. The next thing I want to talk about is, whew, Lord help me, Kim Zosiak Bierman and her soon-to-be ex-husband, Croy Zosiak. Um, things are getting nasty. Things are getting nasty. I'm looking for, oh my gosh, where is it? I'm looking, there it is. Whoop, there it is. Okay, found it. So this is reported by the Instagram page Bravo Snarkside, but it's actually a People Magazine article. So, you know, it's through a third party. I follow them on Instagram. But uh, the headline reads, Kim Zosiak calls ex Croy claims about her fitness as a mom harmful, incredibly misleading. Things are getting very messy. Kim Zosiak issued a statement to people about how her estranged husband claims about her behavior could have a profound effect on their four minor children. In a statement to people, a lawyer for the TV personality refutes her estranged husband's claims about her parenting, which she says could have profound effect on their four minor children. It's really sad the way Croy is causing our divorce to play out in the media like this because it could have a profound effect on our children in the long run. The statement begins to continuously spread lies in an attempt to paint Kim as an unfit mother for his own gain is harmful and incredibly misleading regarding Kim's efforts to raise her children. Kim has remained quiet through the divorce process thus far for the sake of the children. But this must but with this most recent filing, she has no choice but to speak up. The emotional and mental abuse Kim has suffered from this man for so many years has taken a toll on her and most heartbreakingly their children. Kim has always been an extremely devoted mother to her children. They are her entire world, and she is always there to love and support them every step of the way. The statement continues. <sighs> Listen, so the reason why Kim Zosiak made that statement is because Croy Beerman has Croy Beerman, Beerman, he used to play for the Atlanta Falcons, claims that their kids need protection from, uh, Abusive Kim Zosiak. These are documents that Croy Bierman filed in the court. Croy Bierman believes his four minor children need protection from abusive Kim Zosiak and now is asking the court to provide them with a legal guardian. The retired NFL player filed new court documents obtained by page six and in them he claims the Real Housewives of Atlanta alum has been abusive toward him with little concern if the children are present. He further states that he feels he fears his estranged wife who is set to make a cameo in a Bravo series will use the show to discuss her divorce and expose the children to behavior that is not beneficial for their mental health and well-being. Being. As a result, Bierman officially requested the court to appoint a guardian ad litem, ad litem. I'm not a lawyer. Ad, I know that's, um, what is it, Latin? Ad litem? 
<laughs> if you're a lawyer and you're listening, let me know how I'm supposed to pronounce that. Lord, I have, I sound so ignorant. Um, ad litem, ad litem <laughs> for the children, Croy Jagger, who is 11, Cash, who's 10, and nine-year-old twins, Kane and Kaya, to represent their best interests amid their parents' ongoing custody battle. More specifically, the retired athlete want wants two people from a local mediation group to conduct an investigation into Kim Zosiak's behavior, which allegedly includes driving recklessly with kids in the car and constant gambling immediately. That is a lot. That is a lot. Now, more about Kim. I do believe Kim is coming back to Bravo in some capacity. They are filming season five of Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip right now. It's possible Kim could be on the cast for season six. It's also possible that Kim could be brought back on next season of Real Housewives of Atlanta. I'm okay with Kim being brought back. I don't mind Kim. I tolerate Kim when she's on TV. Um, I don't hate any housewives. You won't hear me say I hate housewives. You will hear me say I tolerate them. They're okay. They're good for the show. There's only really one housewife that I really strongly dislike. Um, she is a former Real Housewife of Orange County cast member. I will not say her name. It is not worth mentioning her, but I hope to never see her on the show again or on any uh, Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, to be honest. Uh, but I believe that Kim is good for the show. One thing I respect about Kim Zosiak is she's always been able to go toe-to-toe with these ladies and to hang with the Real Housewives of Atlanta you have to have a strong backbone you have to have a steel pipe holding up your head to handle yourself on the Real Housewives of Atlanta and anytime someone has come for Kim she has come right back with equal force so that's why I say I would gladly welcome Kim Zosiak Back to the show. Don't don't be tardy for the party. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> so let's get into the Real Housewives of Atlanta. So now we have the Real Housewives of Atlanta. This is season 15, episode 6, titled Rap Sheets and Old Beefs. So this episode was very interesting, especially how it started. Very interesting. Um, All the juice, all the meat of this episode happened in the last 10 to 15 minutes. But, okay, let me just get into it. So this this episode starts off with a montage of scenes with Candy and Marlo over the past 10 seasons. These scenes only consist of shady and friendly scenes between them. This is literally the first three minutes of this episode. And if you if you watched on Peacock and you press skip recap, you missed the first three minutes. And I believe these first three minutes were done because this they pr- production was setting the groundwork for either this conflict that happens at the end of the episode or for conflict to unfold for the rest of the season. There was a reason why this montage was done. Does it help 
anyone's side. I don't know. It's always shown kind of, you know, a weird back and forth between Candy and Marlo. Times that Candy has been supportive of Marlo. Times that Candy has talked about Marlo, especially like being, you know, a kept woman who uh, dates older, allegedly gentlemen who were wealthy and they pay for her lifestyle, allegedly. Um, you know, and listen, Marlo has accused Candy of being a lesbian, you know? So they both have come for each other. And then we get to a text message exchange between Marlo and Candy from 2020. It is now 2023. With Marlo sharing with Candy that her nephew was killed and that he used to work for the old lady gang. And you see Candy respond, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. He he doesn't work there anymore. Something like that. Um, then we see a previously unseen scene between Candy and Marlo from two seasons ago. Two seasons ago. Um, we see Marlo share with Candy that her nephew was murdered and it shows Candy get up and hug Marlo. We see that. Candy says in her confessional she feels for Marlo because like Marlo, Candy too takes care of some of her family members, like her cousins, and Candy says they feel like kids to her. My question is, what is this scene before or after the text message exchange? Because why would Marlo have to tell Candy again if Candy was told this already by Marlo via text message? And then I'm like, well, if it's the other way around, then, like, why is this Why is Candy being told twice that her nephew has died? First through text and now in a scene. And then in this scene, when you see Candy hug Marlo, Marlo seems, I mean, Candy seems to just be hearing about the death of Marlo's nephew for the first time. So, like, I feel like production was trying to do something with providing context to the conflict between Candy and Marlo, but the context was not contexting in my brain. You know what I mean? And, like, let me know if... I'm making any sense for what I just said. Because, yeah, it seems like Candy was told the same thing twice. But when we saw it on camera, Candy seemed to just be finding out for the first time. So, like, are these text messages concocted by production to, production to just help link the storyline together for this season? Let me know if I'm crazy. Let me know. Let me know. But I do feel like production was setting up the groundwork for a story to unfold by including this three-minute montage. It has to be a reference point for something. Sorry if you hear some noise. There is an airplane flying above. Is that an airplane or a helicopter? I don't know. I live 30 minutes from the airport. 30, 35, depending on traffic. So when then we get to the next scene. This is Marlo's dinner. Marlo is having dinner with her friends. Uh, they start talking about her dating criteria. I would actually love to see Marlo date on the show. We've always heard rumors of the men that Marlo has dated. Never have we seen an actual man that Marlo has dated on the show. So I would like to see this. Marlo, again, 
expresses frustration with Drew Sador for minting her words when it came to questioning Candy about the shooting at Old Lady Gang. That is the name of Candy Burris's restaurant. And Marlo said, this bitch is using synonyms. She's referring to Drew Sador when she said, uh, asking when she was asking Candy about the incident at Blaze. That's another one. Oh, no, the shooting was happening. The shooting happened at Blaze, not Old Lady. Well, there was a shooting at Old Lady Gang. Was there also a shooting at Blaze? Now I sound unreliable. (laughs) There was a shooting at Old Lady Gang, the one at Camp Creek Marketplace. I've heard about that one. I saw that one on the news. If you don't know, I live in Atlanta. Um, I never heard that Blaze... Got shot up on the news, but I, you know, I don't watch the news all the time, but it seems like the articles that were shown in the season showed that there was a shooting at Blaze. So maybe two of Candy's restaurant have had shooting. Oh yeah, this would make two. Yeah, this would make two. Biscuits or bullets? Uh Uh-oh. Candy might have a problem on my hands. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Candy, don't come for me. So I do agree with Marlo uh, when she said, listen, Marlo feels like Candy gets preferential treatment on what she chooses to share on the show about her life and instead uses Real Housewives of Atlanta as a platform to promote her businesses. Uh... I don't disagree with what Marlo says. Candy does use this platform to promote her business, but if you were a smart business person, why would you not use the reality show that gets millions of viewers? Why would you not show your product and promote your product on the show? Um, I will say Candy gives storyline, just not... Most of the time, the storyline is like about her and Todd. They work too much. They don't have time for the kids. You know, Mama Joyce is talking crap about Todd. That's kind of like it's been a revolving door. It's it's been a hamster wheel of honestly the same storylines for the past several seasons. So I don't disagree with what Marlo has said about Candy. Marlo has made a good point. My question is, why didn't Marlo say this from the very beginning? In the same way she's laying it out to her friends at dinner. Like, this is the Marlo. Like, I think that Marlo just gets, like, maybe a little too overwhelmed in these scenes. And, you know, yelling is happening. Cursing is happening. You know, throwing insults at each other. Because, like, if Marlo could articulate these feelings she had at dinner the same way to Candy, none of this conflict would have happened at the end of this episode none of it none of it but you know these are the real housewives so they're not going to necessarily handle conflict the way us the way we would john q public john q public us regular folk commoners (laughs) so yeah I, i agree Candy does get preferential treatment, but maybe that just comes with, you know, being on The Real Housewives for the past 14 seasons consistently. Consistently. But instead, Marlo made it about the murder of her nephew two years ago. So, like, Marlo's issue with Candy is really like a production issue, kind of. 
she's kind of breaking the fourth wall, but she's using the death of her nephew as a way to be like, Candy doesn't talk about things. Candy doesn't address things. And that is what I don't agree with, with what Marlo is doing. And then Candy talks, I mean, Marlo talks about how Candy should have reached out to Marlo's sister. I think maybe that's a little too far. I think, um, I think flowers would have been appropriate. And then Marlo mentions that, you know, I thought Candy would have at least catered the funeral with some food from old lady gang. And right now it just seems like Marlo just expects Candy to open up her bank account and write a check because her nephew was murdered by someone who he met at one of Candy's restaurants. Yes, maybe Candy should have sent at least flowers, but Candy Burris is not an ATM. And I think it's weird for Marlo to expect Candy to operate in that way, especially when their friendship, if it has ever been a friendship, has been very shaky, but very rocky and consistent over the past 10 seasons. We saw it. That was part of the three minute montage. Context. So then we move over to the next scene. The next couple of scenes are like super, super, super short. Uh, We get to Kenya Moore's hair spa. Kenya is opening a spa, expanding her Kenya Moore hair care empire. And she wants to leave a legacy for her daughter. Um, Kenya also talks about, you know, the fact that she is dating. Again, she is dating the CEO of Kill Me Crazy. But she says that he is always out of town. And she doesn't know if it's a good idea to be continuing a relationship with a person who is not available all the time. And she mentions the fact that her and her soon-to-be ex-husband had a long-distance relationship. He's a restaurateur in New York City. He has a restaurant in Brooklyn. And him and Candy got married—not Candy. Him and Kenya got married, like, after seven months. Then, you know, she had a daughter, Brooklyn, their daughter, Brooklyn— so I, I like that Kenya's like, I don't know if I can do this long distance thing again. It didn't work so well for me the first time. Can't make the same mistake twice. But I don't know. Listen, I don't know Kenya's dating history. But, you know, Kenya has shared the fact that she was abandoned by her mother. Her, her mother does not acknowledge her at all. Um, I know we've seen her father on the show once. I believe she went home to her hometown of Detroit and visited her father, I believe. I don't know if her father and her have a good relationship or not. Um, But it's possible that Kenya attracts men who are not fully emotionally available to her. That is just an observation as someone who has been watching the show since season one. Just my observation. And then we move over to Sheree's house, and Sheree's a grandmother now. Her son Cairo had a baby. And I remember watching the show. Cairo had to be eight or nine, and now he's a father. It just makes me feel older. Like, I remember when this kid was a kid. If he was, like, eight or nine, and I think Real Housewives of Atlanta started when I was in high school. 10th or 11th grade, maybe 11th grade. So yeah, congratulations to Cairo and congratulations to Glamma or Gigi Sheree Whitfield. Who gonna check me, boo? 
So then we move to the next scene. This is at Drew Sador's house. Honestly, doesn't it feel like Drew has barely been on this show this season? Like, you would think Drew is the friend of this season. Honestly, I think Monietta and Courtney have been in more episodes at this point than Drew. But Drew discusses the beef that she has with Marlo with her husband, Ralph. Drew says that people in Chicago, they don't use the word shooting because it glorifies the issue of shootings that occur in Chirac, also known as Chi-Town, also known as Chicago, Illinois. I don't necessarily agree with that, Drew. I've never heard of, you know, I watch documentaries. I watch the news. No one, no matter where you live, wants shootings to happen. No one. Doesn't matter where you live. A lot of the people that live in these areas live there because they can't afford to live anyplace else. It is due to socioeconomics. And most of the people that live in these areas with the shootings are not the shooters. It's a specific group of people. Yes, it's, it's troublemakers. It's people in gangs. It's people committing crimes. But, you know, most of the people that live in these neighborhoods are just working their 9 to 5 or... 10 to 12 or whatever it is, just trying to survive, trying to make a living, trying to take care of the kids. But I've never heard. I've watched documentaries. I've watched the news. I've seen people from Chicago be interviewed talking about the shootings. And I've never seen someone from Chicago say, we don't use the word shootings. We use incidents because it glorifies you know, shootings. I, 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 I don't agree with Drew about that. But okay, Drew. So then we move on to Candy and Todd. They are at home. Kenya FaceTimes Candy about the things that Marlo has been saying about Candy involving her nephew's death and how she feels like Candy, you know, wasn't supportive and Candy didn't do anything to be supportive to Marlo after the death of her nephew. This scene is purely just to set up the madness that comes next. So we get to the next scene. The okay, before we get to the next scene, maybe you don't you didn't notice, but I did skip skip a scene. Uh that's Sonia's scene with her family. Because, again, they're talking about the fact that Ross is ready to have another baby and ready for them to move out. And, you know, Sandy's sisters, like, they're ungrateful. They don't know how good they had it. You know, pretty much the same conversation that's been happening in the last three episodes. It's not worth mentioning. It seems like this is, so far, Sandy's only storyline, and it's not giving anything Honestly, her family should stay because that's the only entertaining thing about Sammy at this point is her family. There is a great dynamic of all of them living under the same house. And so, like, after they leave, what's there going to be? What's there going to be to watch, Sania, unless you bring something else to the show at this point? I know we still we're only six episodes in, y'all. I know there's still more to come. I know there's still more to come. But I didn't feel like I needed to, like, really go into depth about a conversation we've seen played out three times on the show. So we get to the next scene. This is the escape room. 
This is Cousin Courtney's event. I have to tell you, I'm very surprised that a friend of the Housewives had an event and all the Housewives showed up to it. I feel like that's rare. Very rare. Very interesting that production allowed Courtney to have her event be the center of this conflict that we've been leading up to. I think it says something possibly about how production, how they feel about Cousin Courtney. I don't know. At this rate, we might see Cousin Courtney as a full-time housewife next week. And I have to say, Cousin Courtney has grown on me. She has grown on me. First two episodes, I was like, she's coming in hot. She's trying too much. She's thirsty for a peach because all she has is half a peach. Maybe all she has is like, you know, those fruit cups. At this point, she just has a peach fruit cup. Canned peaches, but not a whole peach. (laughs) Canned (laughs) peaches. Canned peaches. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. So, yeah, I'm surprised that, yeah, this was Cousin Courtney's event. And she's grown. She's grown on me. She was thirsty in the beginning. But now she's like leaning into being the mediator and like someone that wants to bring the girls together. I don't know if this is really who she is as a person or I don't know if production got in her ear. But I'm liking the shift, the tone shift with Cousin Courtney. So the ladies arrive. First, we have Drew and Cousin Courtney. And then Marlo arrives, says hello to Cousin Courtney, says hello to Drew. Drew is paying her dust. Drew is being very cold. Then the rest of the ladies arrive. And then Candy arrives last. And someone asked Candy how she's doing, and she says she is not good. And, you know, you can feel the intensity. Okay, (laughs) Sandy was like, "Woo!" Candy arrived and things got intense real quick. But I like how Candy got right into it. And she asked Marlo about what have you been saying about me and the involvement of your nephew and his murder? So Marlo's like, "Okay, let's talk about this to the side. Candy, Drew and Marlo step away to have a conversation at this escape room, a public event. Things turn nasty. Things are heating up. Marlo's trying to explain where she's coming from. Candy, her temperature is rising. But in the meantime, Cousin Courtney is trying to conduct a conversation at the table with the rest of the ladies. But all the ladies are distracted by the conversation happening between Drew, Candy, and Marlo. In my opinion, Drew didn't really need to be in this conversation. Drew did not really add anything to this conversation. I think this should have just been a one-on-one between Candy and Marlo without any third-party opinions or uh, interjections. You know what I mean? So things get heated. Words are exchanged. Candy is ready to fight. She's like, the only reason why I'm crying is because I can't choke you. Um, Woof. You know, if you don't know this about Candy Burr, she is not the one to mess with. I believe one one season her tagline was, don't start none, won't be none. And that is true about Candy. Candy can be your worst, well, your best friend, or she can threaten to choke you. 
you know, and like you see Candy goes, she goes red. She like her eyes go black, not literally, but you know, you know what I mean? Candy sees red, not goes red, not like Louie, <laughs> not like Mr. Tomato Man. Uh, but yeah, Candy sees red and she just really jumps out her skin and conducts her way herself in a way that is a little scary. But luckily, someone's always there to, like, remind Candy, girl, you are a multi-millionaire with several businesses. Don't let this be the reason why you go down. And I appreciate when Kenya saw that Candy was about to go after Marlo, Kenya, despite the fact that Candy could have clocked Kenya in the face, Candy was like, no, Candy, don't do this. Um, Then the conversation kind of splits off. Marlo, Courtney, Sheree stay inside at the escape room. Sanya, Drew, Candy, Monietta, and Kenya go outside. They're saying nasty things about Marlo. They bring up the fact that, like, you know, Marlo was arrested once because she apparently, allegedly, well, not allegedly, she went to jail for it. She slashed some people in the face. This was over 20 years ago. And yes, Marlo has made that mistake. But, like, I'm not the type of person that believes that our past should define who we are, especially 20 years ago. She was in her 20s. I, listen, I. I was just in my 20s, you know, (laughs) two years ago. I've never slashed anyone in the face, nor have I ever wanted to. But I made mistakes in my 20s that I'm not proud of. And I I wouldn't want to be defined by those mistakes, especially because I've never, especially if I've never made that mistake ever again. But also, Marlo, this is the Real Housewives. And if anything, a Real Housewives, they're going to use your past, your present, and if they could, your future against you. So it's like you have to find a way to come back at like those insults that they throw about, throw at you about your past. Marlo has to find a a unique way to pivot the conversation when these ladies throw her past at her, if you know what I mean. You know? And someone calls Marlo a trick. Oh, that's not nice. Like, I agree with Marlo on another thing. These ladies go in on Marlo and say just about everything they can about Marlo. She's been called a whore. She's been called a prostitute, a lady of a night, a trick, a thug, a jailbird. She has been called it all. A bitch. She's been called, you know. They do go in on Marlo, but I honestly believe it's because these ladies don't respect Marlo. I think to them, she's always going to be the friend of the girl where it took like eight or nine seasons to get a peach that was always fine with being the friend of. I think these ladies don't go in on Candy is because they respect Candy. Candy doesn't really go after these ladies about that. Like that. Yeah, once in a while, Candy talks in her confessionable, confession, not confessionable, her confessional about rumors about other ladies. Yes, Candy has 
been shady at times, but she's never really been malicious about going after another housewife. But if you come at Candy, she will come back at you and threaten to choke you or headbutt you. So, yeah, I think that's why. Listen, I don't know what this. Listen, the show is getting better. I was concerned after the first four episodes because I'm like, okay, you know, usually right from the beginning, Atlanta's on and popping. Some, you know, and if not in the very beginning, at least within the first three episodes. So the fact that it took five, six episodes to finally get something worth watching, you know, listen, I love the Real Housewives of Atlanta, but I, I always have felt over the past couple of years, the past couple of seasons, that it's time to revamp this cast. I don't think everyone should be fired. I don't. But what's missing on the show is genuine friendship. And I've said this before about the Real Housewives of Atlanta. It does not seem that many of these ladies like each other. And it just seems like at at this point, these ladies show up for camera, show up for work, and do what they have to do, and they go home. I believe like Candy and Kenya have a genuine relationship. I believe that Candy and Monietta have a genuine relationship. I I think that's it. I think that's the only two like, you know, pairs that I feel like are really friends off season. And that's not good. That's not good. I don't know what they should do. Well, I do have some suggestions. I think they need a core four. A core four. A core four. And the core four are four housewives that we all recognize. If they decide to revamp the cast, I believe, Kenya stays. Bring back Portia. Yes, we keep Marlo. Yes, I'm sorry. I know. I know we don't know if we're feeling Marlo this season, but yes, we keep Marlo. Maybe Tess Shamia. I don't know. We've only seen Shamia in the mix. She is friends with them. She's friends with Portia. She's friends with Candy. I don't know if Candy should be brought back. I don't know. Verdict's still out on that. She's friends with Kenya. Like, Shamia has been around. And then, like, I would take Eva back. Honestly, I would take Eva back. I would take Cynthia Bailey back, who is a true mediator. I don't know what should be done to this show. But that's all I have to say about that. So we are back with Summer House Martha's Vineyard. Ooh, things are heating up in the house in Martha's Vineyard. I'm really enjoying the season at this point. Like, if you have given up on Summer House Martha's Vineyard, I feel like you have given up on yourself as a person. If you only watch the first episode, the first two episodes, the first three episodes, go back and continue watching. Not every show 
out the gate is going to be lightning in a bottle and give you everything you need from a reality show. This is a new series, a spinoff from OG Summer House. This is a new cast that has never been on camera before, and it is going to take them time to get used to the formula of being on a reality show. And at this point, I'm locked in. I'm invested. I'm enjoying the show. And I'm hoping they get a reunion because I feel like they deserve it. There's enough that could be confronted. I believe that they should be, they should bring Mariah back uh, to the reunion to address her exit. I don't like the way Mariah left the show. I believe that Mariah should have been given an opportunity to have a conversation with Bria and apologize. And if Mariah felt like Bria didn't deserve an apology, then Mariah could leave. Phil, he deserved he deserved it deserved. <laughs> Phil deserved to leave. He pooped and next toilet and did not flush the flush the toilet. So unclassy. But we should still bring Phil back to the reunion so they can address it. And I'm willing to give Phil another chance. Cause you know. We need a fill in the house. You know, that's going to make things a little crazy. We need a fill in the house. If he can just rein it in a little bit, turn it down like two, two and a half, three notches, and like then lock it in. And we'll be good, Phil. Acknowledge your mistakes, Phil. So this is season one, episode six, titled Naked Ambition. And this episode starts off with where we were last week. The group is at dinner, and Jasmine opens up about how she's feeling isolated from her friends since she has gotten married. Jordan says in her confessional that she's shocked by these things because uh, she always thought the person that Jasmine was presenting herself herself as is the role of Jasmine Cooper as a new wife. Personally, listen, I'm not married. I'm not in a relationship. But personally, I feel like Jasmine has lost a little bit of her identity after getting married. Instead of being a woman who happens to be married, she has become a married woman instead. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, she's let her marriage define who she is. And you can tell. Because in the beginning of the season, she's like, oh, I'm married, you know, as a married woman. And she's all up in any everyone's business. Who you want to date? Don't you want to be in a relationship? Why are you single? And it's like, Jasmine, simmer down. Simmer down. Oh, before I continue this recap, I meant to also say this was not a good episode for Silas Cooper. Not a good episode. There were a lot of things in this episode that presented problematic behavior from Silas Cooper. And honestly, I'm going to be honest, at this point, I'm ready to vote Silas off the island. But, but, I like Jasmine. And I think Jasmine has the potential to be better. But if we kick Silas off the island... We don't get Jasmine. So what I need Silas to do is watch this season, watch himself, take some constructive criticism, take a look in the mirror, you know, make some positive changes in his life and how he sees 
his marriage in a modern day world. Because at this point, Silas is given 1950s. I need my woman to cook and clean and bear children and wear what I want her to wear and don't act too crazy in girls night. Like that's what Silas is giving. But I am willing to forgive Silas if he can acknowledge his behavior like at a reunion and make a turnaround. Because like Silas, you know, it could also be a cultural thing. Silas has shared that he is from the continent of Africa. I did forget which specific country he said, and I'm not going to disrespect Silas by just listing some random country in Africa. But he did say that he lived on a refugee camp, and that's, like, a lot for a child. And also, like, immigrants, you know, they're hard workers. If you're going to move to another country, you're going to get the best grades, you're going to have the best career, you're going to be a model citizen, a model immigrant. He was also, like... Silas is in the military or was in the military. So Silas is used to structure, but Silas doesn't understand that this is Summer House on Bravo and we want to watch you guys have fun and we don't want to see you delegate and control everything, Silas. So I'm win- I'm willing to give you another chance after this season. I'm willing to. I'm willing to. And I'm going to ask you guys to be willing to give Silas another chance as well. So then <laughs> Jason starts rambling, and it's funny because Jason was rambling a little bit too much, but I believe that Jason was a little tipsy, and Bria said, spit it out. And thank you, Bria, for saying what everyone else was thinking. We get back to the summer house, and I believe this is the next morning. This is the next morning. They have woken up, Jordan and Jasmine, have a conversation, I believe, in Jordan's room, in her bed. And Jordan asks Jasmine, what does she need from her to show up as a better friend? And I was just like, wow. How many of us ask our friends when they're going through a tough time, what do you need from me? How can I show up for you? And how many of us do that when our friends aren't going through a tough time? Like, that made me really reflect and be like, oh, wow. Do my friends know I'm here for them if they ever need anything? It made me think about that. So I appreciate Jordan. Listen, I love me some Jordan. Jordan Jordan's my number one on the show, y'all. <laughs> Jordan has housewife energy, y'all. I'm just saying, Jordan's great. Jordan will clock you, not physically, but like verbally. She will call you out. If she sees some if she sees something phony going on, she's gonna call it out. The only thing that I'm like, mm, is that it seems as if Jordan has told everyone in the house that she is not interested in Amir, but Amir. So that's that's my only that's my only thing about Jordan. But I love what Jordan asked Jasmine. That's true friendship. And I don't think many of us ask our friends, especially when our friends are going through a hard time, how can I show up for you? But I will say I'm happy Shanice is back. I think Shanice brings 
great energy to the house. I, I like Shanice. She is lightning in the bottle. She's ready to party. And this the show needs a Shanice. Shanice might be a little bit too much, but the show needs a Shanice. We find out from Simon in a confessional with Bria that Bria and Shanice used to do an OnlyFans with lingerie content. Listen, if you got it, flaunt it. People are out here making bank with OnlyFans. People are selling pictures of just their feet and making like 60 grand a month. I heard this lady farts in a jar and sells them on OnlyFans and she makes many, 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 many thousands of dollars a month. So like if if you want to post lingerie content on OnlyFans, and make an extra income? Do you? I better not see someone like my sister do it or my, you know, possibly future daughter, but all the other ladies out there, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. It might seem like a double standard. But if you got it, flaunt it and make money off it. So then we get to a moment that I did not like. And I love summer. Summer discovers, she goes downstairs, she discovers Milo's poop downstairs. And then she goes back upstairs, and instead of finding Bria directly and telling her directly, hey, Milo pooped on the carpet downstairs. I just wanted to let you know. She went to other people in the house, and then it becomes a whole conversation. And then, like, Alex jokes, house meeting, (laughs) Preston's like, I'm not doing another house meeting. Please no more house meetings. This is not Survivor. This is not Big Brother. No more house meetings. No more. And then Silas comes up to Preston and suggests, are are, are you going to speak to Bria? Preston likes, not Preston, Silas, like Preston said, You passed Bria's door to come to me to ask me if I'm going to tell Bria about her dog pooping downstairs. If it were me that discovered the poop downstairs, you know what I would have done? I would have gotten some paper towel or some toilet tissue, tissue paper, whatever you would like to call it. I would have picked up that doggy poo, flushed it down the toilet, and I would have gone to Bria. Hey, Bria. Good morning, girl. I love that scarf you're wearing. Uh, so I, I discovered a little poo downstairs from Marlo on the carpet. But don't worry. I got you. I cleaned it up. But I just wanted to let you know. Boom. That's all Summer had to do. That's what. That's all any of them had to do, to be honest. So like, and I agree with Preston. They are making matters worse by like delegating and having discussions about every single thing that happens in this house. Just do, if you have to say something, say something. You don't have have to have a discussion about everything. This is not the United Nations. This is Summer House Martha's Vineyard. And if someone would have just told Bria, she would have just cleaned it up like she did after Someone finally told her. Not everything has to be a group discussion, y'all. And then the ladies have a spa moment downstairs in the living room. Jasmine asked Jordan again about her singledom and her interest. 
And Jordan makes it clear for like the fourth or fifth time she is not interested in Amir and does not want to date anyone in the house. How many times does she have to tell you guys? I will say she does have to tell Amir, though. (laughs) Amir is the only one that does not know that Jasmine is not into him. Tell Amir, Jordan. Tell Amir. Did I say Jasmine's not into him? Jordan's not into you. Jordan, Jasmine. Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix those names up. I'm gonna but I know the difference between them. I do. So we get to that night. It's girls' night versus boys' night. The house is getting ready to go out. You see Silas and Jasmine in the master suite. Jasmine is getting dressed, maybe in the bathroom or in the closet. I'm not sure. Jasmine is in a dress. Silas is complimenting her dress. She's like, oh, where did you? He's like, where do you get this dress from? And she, Jasmine's like, I have dresses. And Silas is like, yeah, I bought all those dresses for you. Okay. Okay, Silas. Why'd you have to say that? Was that necessary? Did you have to share with the world that those dresses your wife is wearing, you paid for? Unnecessary, Silas. This is like (laughs) unnecessary, Silas. And so the boys are out. And then Silas starts complaining about Jasmine. Not... Silas is like, you know, it's it's hard right now because I'm used to a certain routine and I feel like Jasmine's on vacation mode. She's not consistently making me breakfast every morning and she burnt the bread of his breakfast sandwich this morning. And I'm like, really, Silas, are you really complaining about your wife not being wife enough at boys night on national television? What sandwich did you make Jasmine? Okay. I've never seen you make Jasmine breakfast, Silas. What is Jasmine? Listen, I'm not married. Let me make that clear. Maybe Jasmine and Silas have very strict gender roles in their marriage. Maybe Jasmine performs this way in her relationship and her marriage because she feels like that's what she has to do for Silas because that's what he expects. But Lord, Silas thinks Jasmine's a Stepford wife, or at least she should be. I love that movie, The Stepford, the Stepford Wives, I think with Bette Midler and Nicole Kidman. Um, and what's that guy from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? He's married to uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. I forgot his name, but I know who that is. And then Silas and Jason kind of get into it. Basically, Silas says, basically, Silas called Jason a bitch without actually saying the word. Says, like, he he thinks too much and, like, he's too emotionally vulnerable and available. And, like... Women don't like that. And basically, he's never going to get laid if Jasmine keep. I mean, not if Jasmine, if Jason keeps on acting like this. And Jason says in his confessional, I just had a baby three weeks ago. Like, my daughter was just born. I did not come here to have sex. And Silas, why are you so concerned about who 
Jason could hook up with or could not hook up with. Mind your own married business, please. Why do you care? But I do think it was funny when uh, free drink showed up at the boys' table from ladies at the bar. And then we also find out Silas is not wearing his wedding ring. But Silas wants to criticize Jasmine's wifely duties or lack thereof. Silas, don't throw stones when you're living in a glass house. But I love how the boys are not afraid to take the piss out of Silas. I love that they're not afraid to joke about him and call him out for his hypocrisy and slightly misogynistic and sexist views about marriage and his wife. That's just my opinion. But I would gladly welcome Silas on the show. (laughs) And then we cut to the girls and they're partying. They're taking shots. They're twerking in the parking lot. The girls are having a good time. Like, that's what we should be doing on a summer house. The boys should be taking shots. It should be like when the guys get together on the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Like, that's what that's that's the kind of fratty behavior we expect to see at a boys night, especially on summer house. And that's not what's happening because Silas kind of sucks the air out of the room. And Silas made it about him and what his wife is not doing for him. So the gang gets back to the house. Bree and Shanice are drunk as drunk as a, you know, dancing on tables. They took their clothes off. They're going skinny dipping. They're having a good time. And then things take a left turn. To the left, to the left. Everything you own in the box to the left. If I sing any more of that song, I will have to pay for it. And I can't afford a Beyonce song. So things go left because Shanice is fully naked. Vagina out, butt out, tatas out. And she's in the hot tub with Simon. Now, here's the thing, you know, Jordan points out, like, why is Brie upset? Y'all were just naked in the pool, like, 10 seconds ago. Yes, but I think there's a difference between Bria and Shanice being naked in the pool together and then Shanice being fully naked. Bush out, tush out, Tata's out in front of Bria's boyfriend. And Bria comes out and calls Shanice out about and kind of calls everybody else out about it for not saying anything to Shanice. And Shanice is like, I asked Simon and he said it was okay. Of course, Simon said it was okay. You think Simon's going to tell you not to get naked in a hot tub? He's going to be like, oh, sure. Also, Simon's European. Europeans don't care about nudity. They're very free. You know, they're not like the French, but the French are free. But, you know, nudity probably doesn't mean anything to Simon. We're the ones here in America all, you know, stuffy, like, oh, my gosh, skin. You know, and I do think, like, some things are a step too far. But, like, honestly, I didn't learn until a couple years ago that, like, being topless was legal in the state of New York. I have been in Central Park in the summertime, and I've seen women sunbathing tops off. 
I've been on the beach in New York and I've seen women topless. And so like it shocks you at first, but then you realize they're just breasts and probably as a man, you should not sexualize it, you know? And like, as long as you mature about it and as long as, you know, if the girl has a dude, as long as the dude is okay with it, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not taking off my shirt. <laughs> you know, I won't be nude on a beach, but you know, be free. Be free. I would take off my shirt on a beach. I wear like a little, like a tank, you know. You know. You know. Um where was I? I lost my thought. My train of thought. Oh, no, everyone. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Bria comes out. She confronts Shanice, and she was like, oh, no. Simon comes inside. Simon's in the doghouse. Milo's (laughs) doghouse. And Bria's pissed. She's like, why are you in the hot tub with Shanice? Who's naked? And then you see Jordan calls out the fact that Bria and Shanice were naked outside prior to then. And Shanice was honestly just keeping the energy going. She was just having a good time, which is what we, the viewers, want to see. And then we we witness another shag between Silas and Jasmine. But at least this time it was in the closet, even though we heard it, we didn't get to see it. Well, not we didn't get to see it. We didn't have to see it. So thank you, Bravo. I'm happy we didn't have to watch it. So then we get to the next morning and Bria is complaining to everyone in the house, including her mom, about Shanice being in the naked in the hot tub with Simon and also in the hot tub. And no one cares, including her mom. Her mom even says, well, that's just Shanice. Shanice doesn't mean anything by it. She's just having a good time. Bria's probably like, oh, mom, you're supposed to be on my side. Bria, lighten up. I love you, but lighten up. And then Bria <laughs> tries to talk to Preston about it. And Preston points out, she's like, he's like, Bria, you're the common denominator with most of the arguments in the house. Yes, that is true. But I don't think that Bria was the start of every single argument in the house that she has been involved in. Yes, she's been involved in most of them, but I don't, I don't blame her for them all. And then, you know, pretty much everyone's getting ready for this pastel party, this, uh, what is it, rosé party, pastel and rosé. Bria is holding Simon and Milo Milo hostage in her room, all because Shanice got naked last night in the hot tub. And Bria is not going to participate in a group dinner. If I see, this is where producer hat comes on. If I were a producer, I would have been like, Bria, you were great. You were so good for this show. But this is your first season. And you were not at the point on the show to be calling the shots on whether you are going to be part of the scene or not. Now, if you really want to make something happen on the show and secure your status on the show, especially if you get a second season, it would behoove you to just have a conversation with Shanice about it instead of sulking in the bed and holding Simon and Milo hostage in it. 
That's what I would have said to Bria as a producer. What do you think about that? <laughs> just have a conversation with Shin. Just speak to Shanice. This is your friend. And then Jason is helping Silas move the table outside. And here, here Silas goes again. Starts delegating the movement of the table. Starts directing Jason on how to move a table through a doorway. Hopefully, if you've gotten to a certain age, hopefully you've moved something in your life. And, you know, it. the first time you might have to, like, maneuver a little bit. But there is a way, a common way to get a table through a doorway. <laughs> and then Silas starts going into he was a platoon leader and he liked structure and I'm like Silas this is Bravo not the military even though Bravo could be like the military just the military of reality television maybe I don't know not to disrespect anyone in the military thank you for your service all our service men and women out there but I think Silas thinks this is Survivor. And he feels like he needs to delegate things. That's what you do on Survivor. And I just want Silas to let loose, let go, and let God have his way. Just exhale. Breathe in, Silas. And breathe out. Woosa. Goosefraba, Silas. Mah! Mah! Whatever you have to do <laughs> to calm down. I'm sorry if that star startled you. You know, I think that mah, mah, I think that's a warm up from High School Musical. Sharpay. If you, I think that's like she would. She would do. Brr, brr, mah, mah, mah. Oh Lord. <laughs> I cannot believe I just did that. So then the group is getting ready. Jasmine is laying out her clothes for the pastel party. Silas is sitting in the corner in the chair in the master suite. Or I guess it's not the po politically correct thing to say is the primary suite. Listen, I'm a child of the 90s. I have grown up my whole life hearing the master suite. I did not learn until two, three years ago what that actually means. And, but I'm sorry, I still am probably going to use the master suite. But Silas is sitting in the chair in the corner of the primary suite. And Jasmine is laying out her clothes for the pastel party. And Silas says, Ugh, please no long flowy pants and dress shirt. And he says that Jasmine only looks good in heels, not flats. And again, it's giving me 1962, 1952, Mad Men. And Silas just wants to control how Jasmine has funds, has funds, has fun with her friends. Silas wants to control how she dresses. Silas wants to control how she makes him a breakfast sandwich. Silas, Silas, just reflect. You know, ignore the haters on so social media. Listen, if you listen to this podcast, I might sound like a Silas hater. I have not said anything disgusting or nasty about Silas. All I pretty much said is that he's just controlling, which is what everyone else has been saying. I've not said anything bad. 
So, like, I don't believe I've been hateful towards Silas. But I just need him to reflect and do better. Reflect and do better, Silas. Because I want your wife back on this show season two. (laughs) And I don't think she will come without you. I'm sorry. But then... Jordan and Alex are setting the table outside in the backyard, getting ready for this pastel and rosé party. And Alex, Lord have mercy, he pulls a move that I was not expecting. Now, listen, I like Alex. He's chill. He's, you know, zen. Namaste. That's nice. That's a nice personality. But I think Alex also forgets that he is on a reality show. And although that, you know, having that kind of personality, that common spirit, that, yeah, calming spirit is a great quality to have as a person, you are on a reality show. I want to see you taking shots, but Alex doesn't drink. I want to see you hooking up. And we we see a little something starting with him in summer. I want to see you doing something, calling someone out. But Alex is very chill and there's nothing wrong with that. But then Alex uses this moment to tell Jordan that he feels bad because the guys in the house were assigning girls to a guy when they first got in the house. And Jasmine's like, what? I don't like how the men in the house were just discussing me, passing me off to someone. And I agree with Jordan about that, but I'm shocked that Alex said that because those are not the vibes he's been putting out thus far. This is a move I was not expecting. I'll say that again. He's passive. He's quiet. He is not a shite stirrer. So I'm wondering, did a producer get in his ear? Because he's not doing enough on the show? Did the producer say, Alex, you know, I like you. You're nice. You're chill. You're zen. But this is a reality show. And zen doesn't really work for too long in the house. Because people want to be entertained. And if you look back, you've been in this house for 10 out of 15 days. What have you really produced for the show as far as content and i would hope alex in this moment would think "Mm, maybe nothing i guess and alex would ask well what do you think i should do i think that you should tell jordan that amir was claiming her the moment he got in the house maybe i'm just I'm just like making up a scenario, but I'm hoping a producer got in his ear was like, you need to start something, buddy, because your placement on the show is looking a little shaky. You might be replaced with Phil next season. You know what I mean? I could be wrong. I'm just guessing. But yeah, that was Summer House Martha's Vineyard, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Things are heating up. I have high hopes for this show. If you are not watching Summer House MV, you were missing out. Every episode is available on Peacock. Enjoy it. Let me know what you think. So before I leave you, again, as I always do, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to the podcast. Last Friday, we hit our month pod anniversary. And I'm shocked by how many downloads we have at this point with being just a little over a month, because I've seen the statistics for 
what the average podcast gets in their first month. And I actually got four times that number. So I'm very proud of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And also to have listeners in 12 different countries around the world, from India to Bangladesh to Singapore to China to Australia to the UK, of course, the United States to Sweden to Norway. It's like, wow, I don't even know all of you. And you guys are listening and you guys keep on coming back. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to review. It really helps the podcast. Don't forget to tell your friends, family, your coworkers, tell your cat and dog if they have an iPhone, tell your child. Subscribe to my show on your child's phone, even if they won't listen to me. <laughs> listen, I need the help. Let's let's spread the word. Let's build this community. But yes, you can listen and subscribe. Please subscribe and review. You can listen to this podcast everywhere a podcast is available instead. But, you know, not Pandora, not iHeartRadio. Not yet. We're still working on that. <laughs> Coming soon. But everywhere else you can listen to a podcast. You can stream it, listen to it, support it. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Bravo T with Jared B. You can follow us on the Twitter, the Twitter at Bravo T with JB. And yes, the next episode comes out Friday. This is going Friday's episode is going to be recapping Orange County, part three of the Real Housewives of New Jersey reunion. And I'm going to watch the Secrets Revealed Vanderpump Rules episode. I'll, we'll see if there's anything else to be revealed that would be a shock or a secret at this point. I feel like, you know, I know all of their social security numbers. But yes, thank you for listening to the show. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day, a wonderful night, a wonderful weekend, a wonderful morning. You know, I don't know what time of the day or when you guys listen to these. You know, I, I really noticed, like, not everyone listens the day of. A lot of people do listen on the weekends, and I appreciate that. I like, because even though my numbers are low on the weekends, I like that there are people listening to the show on the weekend, because maybe you don't have time during the week to listen to the podcast. Maybe you don't have the type of job like I do where you can just listen to a podcast all day, because I that's what I do at work. I'm either listening to Pandora or listening to a podcast while I'm typing away on my computer so again thank you for the support i hope you hi i hope you guys have a good one you know take a sip of some hot tea and i'll see you next time on bravo tea with jared b over and out <laughs>